0: Good morning. Today's the 21st of Tammuz. It's the 27th of July. It's almost the end of July. How did that happen?
1: <laughs>
0: Today's daf is Nun Nunzayin. We'll start towards the bottom of nun Bet. The uh, Gemara goes on a nice little tangent here, which is more or less self-contained, so we don't have to worry too much about the context, except the fact that the context, of course, is an interesting question to begin with, uh, which is that we're going into a tangent about the responsibilities and uh, liabilities of different shomrim, different uh, guardians over property. That is, if a person gives property to this person and says, please watch this for me. So that's a person is called a shomer chinam, someone who's been asked to watch the property for free. And if he says, and I'll pay you this money to watch it, then that person is shomer sachar. Obviously, shomer Sahar a hired a guardian, is going to have much higher liability because he's been hired to do the job. So we'll see how that comes out in the Gemar. We'll start from the two dots on the sixth to the last line of Nunvavum. That's just to put it in context. But Rabbi Linder said you already touched on this a little bit yesterday. shomer A person who is watching a lost object. We know in, in the Torah there twice appears a mitzvah to return a lost object, something that is found, which is identifiable as belonging to someone. It's not just uh, presumed to be ownerless. And so there's a mitzvah to have to return that object to someone else, to the to the owner. So shomer aveda, regarding a person who has found a lost object and is now watching it, waiting to return it to its owner, Rabbah Amar keshomer finam dami. says this person is like someone who has been asked to watch it for free, that he's not being paid, because when he returns a lost object to the person who owns it, he's not going to get paid for having done that mitzvah. Rav Yosef Amar. It's like someone who's been hired to watch it. So we have to see. The Gemara is going to give two different explanations for why Rav Yosef thinks this. But the first one we're going to see played out first. So Rabbi Amar kishomer chinam dami, my hana kamati So Rabbi says the obvious, which is that this person gets no uh, financial benefit from having done this mitzvah. That is, no one is paying him to do it. So he doesn't get any hana. He doesn't get any uh, monetary. Benefit at that point. Rav Yosef says he's like a hired guardian. He says that because of the fact that while watching the lost object, until he returns it to its rightful owner, he has been exempted from the mitzvah of having to provide, in this case, interestingly enough, bread to a poor person. Uh, and thus, because he saves himself that piece of bread that he would have given to a poor person, he has received some financial benefit, and therefore he's like a Shomer sachar. So, first point to note is that Rashi here says, the reason for Rav Yosef's opinion, of course, to'aha'oseik be mitzvah patur min mitzvah A person who is involved in doing one mitzvah is exempt from doing other mitzvah. This is... Uh, the main sujit discussing this principle is in Nasechet Sukkah, and there, uh, obviously, many different pieces of this question play out. Obviously, which mitzvot does this apply to, and which does it uh, does not apply to? Um, the the Mishnah in Sukkah says, "Hochey drachim." Uh, are a pataminah sukkah, that is, people who are traveling, uh, and the, the Gemara there discusses, well, what if it's traveling just for business, or traveling just for pleasure, does it have to be traveling to go do a mitzvah, and then the discussion there uh, becomes, well, what about doing other mitzvot? Tosvot, for the first point here, uh, Tosvot makes the obvious point, that is, just because you're wearing titit, or just because you're wearing fillin or just because your house has a mezuzah on it, and you're actively involved in that mitzvah, that doesn't count to make you patur from doing other mitzvot because otherwise no one would ever be chayev to do any other mitzvot because as soon as you're wearing tzitzit or as soon as your house has a mezuzah on the door, you're done. Um, you wouldn't have any other chiyuvim. Um, so Tosot tr- here and, and many of the other Rishonim try to limit it specifically to the time when you're actually involved in doing the mitzvah. Now here, the mitzvah of HaShavad Avedah, when you find the lost object, you're obviously doing the mitzvah. But what about when it's sitting in your house? Are you really still doing the mitzvah all the whole time while it's in your house? That becomes a bigger, bigger question. You're not actively involved in any real way. Um, so that becomes a major question. And maybe
2: discuss discuss why, why is this whole being brought up here?
0: Really uh, tangentially to the question of the all the other ganadim and, and thieves who attain some kind of uh, responsibility and liability for objects that come into their possession. So here, too, we're talking about Shomer Abed uh, it's very out of place. It's just like a nice little tangent on a totally different topic. Um, okay um, and so that real that point there is that the mitzvah uh, uh, is obviously a huge and really interesting to go into in depth. Uh, one other point to mention is that another question that gets asked is well what do you mean? The mitzvah of giving tzedakah that you become exempted from by by being a Shomer Aveda, watching this lost object, but the mitzvah to give tzedakah isn't only a mitzvah, I an obligation, there's also a prohibition of not closing off your hand when someone is in need. So we, the principle of Osekba mitzvah Patrimina Mitzvah, shouldn't apply to Mitzvot Lotate. Nobody said that, oh, you're a Shomer aveda, so you could eat non-kosher food, or you're a Shomer aveda, so you don't have to keep Shabbat. So obviously it shouldn't apply to uh, a pro- prohibitive Mitzvot. And nonetheless, Tzedakah has both a, uh, an obligation and a prohibition involved. And so there's a lot of work done to try to explain in what way that prohibition is really just uh, in service of the obligation. It's there to reinforce the assay? Uh, that's one idea suggested or perhaps just, it has much more limited uh, scope. That, that uh, negative mitzvah only applies at the very extreme cases of, of refusing to give tzedakah. Okay, the Gemara continues. So that's the makhlog between Raba uh, and Rav Yosef, because Rav Yosef says you're like a Shomer Sachar because the act of watching this object exempts you from providing food for a poor person who comes to your door, and Raba does not agree. Tosot, interestingly enough as well, point out Perhaps Rabba really does agree that this principle applies here, Osek B'Mitzvah, Rabba just doesn't think that it, the amount of Hana'ah, the amount of financial benefit that you get, is worth one pruta. He might think that there is a benefit, it's just very minimal benefit. So that might be the reason why Rabba thinks it's Shomer Chinam. The difference between the opinions might be very small. Uh, that's a few lines down in the Big Tostle. Right, right. It's not enough to make to make that threshold. The threshold seemingly to be uh, uh, one pruta. It's okay.
1: Interesting, right? That the metaphor of financial profit is also used to simply describe the intrinsic value of doing a mitzvah. Right. You ah, so we're
0: gonna that we're gonna get to that in just a sec. We're, we're gonna get to that in just a sec. Okay. That's the second explanation for Rabbi Yosef. Okay, so Igidim Efarshe, there are those who explain Rabbi Yosef's opinion differently. Uh, interestingly enough, there are some machronim who think this is tacked on is a, a piece from the Gonim because it doesn't appear in any of the other places where this Gemara is quoted in, the Gemara, in, in other sugyot. Uh, so Igidim Efarshe, hachi Rabbi Yosef amar kishomar dami, kevan de rachmana shabdei, the fact that the Torah has obligated you God has obligated you to be doing this mitzvah against your will, that is, you are obligated, you're contractually obligated to watch this lost object because God promised it, uh, said it was a mitzvah for you, so that makes it like a Shomer Sachar. The Pnei Hoshua, exactly like Rabbi Dov was saying, uh, explains that because there is a a reward for doing mitzvot. God will pay you back for having done this mitzvah in some way. So that is like a Shomer Sachar. other of that, I' try to explain it in a more conceptual way, that your that, level of obligation is Right. So your level of obligation is different. You have a different liability and a different kind of responsibility over the object uh, because you've accepted upon yourself the terms of or because you are automatically forced to accept upon yourself the terms of the mitzvah, It's different than having chosen to do a job uh, do a favor for someone. Uh, it's just important to note for for clarity, Shomer Chinam is you're doing someone a favor. And shomer Sakhar is you're doing a job. You've been hired to do a job. And those are very, obviously, you're going to have very different valence and very different halachot. Uh, even though, uh, you're doing the same thing. But one is doing someone a favor, and one is you've been, you've been hired to do a job. And of course, to note, a shoel, you borrow someone's object, the kind of shomer who has, uh, about close to the highest, uh, responsibilities. So the shoel, um, a shoel, someone else is doing you a favor. So it's, Mutually beneficial, Shomer Sachar, you've been paid to do something for someone else. Shomer Chiyam, you're doing a favor for someone else. And shoel he's doing a favor for you. So those three different kind of cases, obviously, so uh, um, as well. Okay, yeah. So, so that's the, reason, the second reason why Rav Yosef thinks that uh, it's like Shomer Sachar, uh, okay. So Rabbi Yosef has now A source that he thinks supports his opinion Against Rabbah That is he thinks this source implies That a Shomer Avida is like a Shomer Sachar So let's see If you returned the lost object To a place where its owner will see it That is you did not give it to the person <laughs> But you put it out by in front of his front door Some place where he's going to be forced To come across it Or where it will be able for him to find it on his own So you do not have any further obligations to be involved with taking care of this object or anything like that. Nignevavu avda rayuta But if it was stolen or lost, then you have to pay for you have to, you have responsibility to pay for it. So ma avda la It's obviously not saying that if it was stolen from your house or stole, or or lost while it was in your house that you're responsible. So the fact is that it's because you returned it to some other place that's why you're obligated if it, uh, why you are responsible if it was lost or if it was stolen but if you had kept it in your own house then um, you're, you're not responsible at that point uh, so the fact is so Rabbi Yosef thinks oh so that's the proof that it's like Shomer Shachar that is Shomer uh, Chinam if you've just been asked to watch it and um, the only thing that you're high for is pshia if you you were negligent but if it was lost or stolen then that's fine you're not obligated to pay for it but shomer sachar if it was lost or stolen you are obligated to pay for it so it sounds like at first, it sounds like proof for Rabbi Yosef. And Rabbah can defend himself. That is, So he says, oh, so if it was lost or stolen in your Chayev, that sounds like proof for Yishav mar So no, Rabbah can defend himself. It's not talking about if it was lost or stolen in your house. The reason why you're obligated to pay is Mimakom Sheikh Zira, is you returned it to some other place. So you took it out of the normal context of, of the Shmira, and so since you took it to some other place, that gets it closer to being like a kind of a P'shia, where you would even be obligated uh, as a Shomer Chinam. Okay. the But doesn't it say that you have no obligations to to watch over it anymore, to, to be involved with it? And this is what we're talking about. You returned it in the afternoon. What's the understanding here? So The brighter that is from the Toseftim, but the Messiah is teaching us two different things. The hachi katani. Hech zira shachrit if you put it in there in the morning, that is, before he leaves for work, so when the owner leaves for work, he's going to come across this object, so then that would be a reasonable time to return it. Uh, when he's going to be going out and he'll be, come across it and see it. So you have no responsibility to keep watch or to keep involvement with this object because the presumption is that the person will find it on his own. And if it were stolen then that you would be but, patur because you're like a you. Shomer Chinam that's Rabba's explanation <laughs> but if you returned it in the afternoon when the person is out at, out at work already presumably even late morning so I'm here being used in a broad sense the time that the person has already left the house <laughs> even if it was a place where he could come across it and see it but the fact is he's not Going in and out of his house, so he's not going to c- pass by that place and he won't be able to see it. And who was stolen or lost at that point? And the reason why is that a Shomer Chinam in that case has violated the normal presumptions of what his responsibility would be. So even though he's a Shomer Chinam, he's still liable if it was stolen or lost.
1: What if there was an agreement that it should be left in the afternoon? With the, with the owner of the object and the person
0: who's saying So that. once you start making verbal agreements with people, that gets into the, po- then you follow the agreements usually. The issue here is is sort of, they haven't had any contact. There's no communication between them. At what point, so what does the law say about a case where there was no agreement? What's the the baseline? I do um, find that a little
2: bit unusual. Like, let's say he goes to work at 9 you put it there at 7. It's
0: two hours there, So and, and it's his wallet. You're just leaving it there, so they're going to easily take it. Okay, so maybe there was a narrower time frame. It's important to note that it's the thing of Yom Shil Shlomo here, Yom Shil Shlomo explains that, interestingly enough, all of these halachot in this Tosefta are all based on on sort of the normal presumptions of, of the interaction. And he actually says, but it's it, different than in the times of Gemara, you know, what if it's someone who comes home for lunch? Or what if it's someone who leaves, uh, leaves for work much later? Or what if it's someone who works the night shift? So all of those things are actually going to impact the ruling in the case. These aren't strict laws in the sense that they apply universally, these are based on the presumption of when is this person going to be able to find it or not, or how negligent was the showmare for having put it there when it could have gotten lost or stolen in between the time when it was put there and when the owner would yeah, be able he, to find does,
2: it. Does not seem like a great idea? Really. So it
0: doesn't seem like it, I mean, if it was, I know he's leaving for work within the next half an hour, and I put it right here, and it's not a busy street, and no one else bad, is going to Right. So, that.
2: You know, okay, right, so
0: but that's the kind you of want prism-
2: putting your wallet there? Are you, are you it depends. Minutes?
0: It even depends. It depends on where it was, and a wallet is obviously different than a right. front door key or an animal so or or a I bushel of wheat. You know. So each of those things. So we're going to see. I
2: I don't know how For I sure. I really
0: it. So how how much this actually applies in real life? The point so that Yemshalsholmo is important because Yemshalsholmo is emphasizing the fact that it has to be reasonable. Okay. Okay. So it's a... new challenge. That is now, Rabbi Yosef is again challenging Rabba's opinion. So it's a... No. Another another Tosefta says he's always uh, liable, he's always responsible until he returns it to the ownership, to the the, the domain, the property of the owner. So my le'olam, what does it mean, le'olam, always? So la'aba So doesn't it even mean when it's in his house and therefore proof that even with lost or stolen the Shomer would be responsible and therefore he's more like a Shomer Sahar. No, no Shomer Sahar. This, okay. this is Rabbi Yosef trying to defend himself against Rabbah so Rabbi Yosef thinks Shomer Sahar, Rabbah thinks Shomer chinam. Yes. we had one challenge from the Tosefta Rabbi Yosef thought it was a good proof for his position then Rabbah had a way of reading the Tosefta that actually fit his position okay. so now we have a new challenge from another part of the same Tosefta the fact that it says Le'olam Doesn't that mean even in his house, and therefore if it was lost or stolen, even in his house, that is before he brought it, uh, to the, to the new location, and therefore it sounds like Shomer Sachar, because if it was lost or stolen, then he would be Chayev Okay. Answer. So what can Rabbah answer? la' my le'olam, what does it mean? Le'olam la, ke'shomer sachar dami It sounds like a good proof for Rabbi Yosef that it's like Shomer sachar. So Amar le, Rabbah can respond Modina al I'll agree to you, Rabbi Yosef, that a Shomer aveda works more like a Shomer sachar in a case of animals. Now, what does he mean that he agrees to him? Does he agree that he's actually like a Shomer sachar? Or does he agree that he's like a Shomer chinam who is going to be obligated in this case. If you look at the small to foot low, to foot lays it up, afilu shomer chinam chayav, de In this case of the animals, you're saying, it's really like a shomer chinam, but putting an animal in this kind of a situation is going to be not just, oh, it got lost or stolen, but this animal we're going to see is an animal that is known to be going out and wandering around. So therefore, if it gets lost, that's P'shia. That's not just, oh, it was lost, but you knew this animal could go wandering away, so that's actually negligence at that point. Let's see. In the Gemara. Okay. So because, because the fact that you know this animal is going to go out, so it requires a higher level of shmir, requires a higher level of guardian. Uh, guardian. Uh, so the fact is that this animal, even though you're a Shomer Chinam, according to Rabbah, this animal... You can't just leave it somewhere. An animal can walk around. So obviously an animal that can walk around is going to get lost. If it gets lost at that point, that's not called Avda. Lost, that's actually called Pshia at that point. That would be the way Tostos reads this. this so it's a rabba Rabiosu. How the
1: whole I forget,
0: what. what then, uh, it, it will take more steps. Rashi uh, says Psyot, Nigre. It, it, it walks around. The kevan that act to nigre brayta. Rashi says kevan she'ras she melumadot hein latzay. These animals are known to to go out. By nitiruta rata. It requires a higher level of shmirah filu habishomerchina. Even if you're a shomerchina, chayav about shomer abeda the metal tale. If you're watching over metalin over inanimate objects obviously a is going to be exempt from Gneva and Aveda for inanimate objects the question is whether the Shomachinam in this kind of a case is going to be obligated for Aveda or Gneva if it was an animal because the animal can walk around so interestingly enough even though we have the formal rule, Shomer chinam is patur for Gneva ve'a Veda, nonetheless, if it's an animal that would walk around and get lost on its own, and you know about that, to the extent that if it gets lost, it's actually not put in the category of getting lost, it's actually put in the category of Pshia, because you you did something negligent in terms of your knowledge of the situation and your responsibilities as a Shomer. Okay, so now Rabbah can attack Rav Yosef. Back. So we had two attacks from Rav Yosef to Rabbah, and Rabbah defended himself, and now we have Rabbah attacking Rav Yosef. Into a Brahma le Rav Yosef. Hashav, the mitzvah to return the lost object (laughs) says, Hashav, return it. So, Ainli elabiveto. So, I only know that you could return it to the owner's house. That is, if I'm returning a lost object to someone and he's not home, I have to actually put it in his house, it sounds like, from the word Hashav. But the Torah doesn't say Hashav what it say how do I know that I could even return it Okay, so was only, only right when it gets to him oh, so right so right now he, right now he has a drasha from, from the pasuk in Devarim. okay so we're going to see what it says so Rabbo says I would have thought you could only return it to his house how do I know that you could even return it to his garden or to his ruin that is a, a building that had collapsed uh, much more common in earth quake zones than over here in the east coast. So, mm-hmm. because it doesn't say, just say Hashiv, it says Hashiv teshivim. You have a, a double obligation to return the lost object. Mm-hmm. So, Mikom mm-hmm. Akom. Mm-hmm. So you could re- have to return it even to his garden. Meaning, once you're obligated to return it, the Torah makes it easier for you to fulfill that mitzvah by giving you more options of places to return it to. Mm-hmm. You can return it to the garden. You can return it to his kurva, to his uh, ruin. I think
2: um, it's the opposite.
0: Why would you say just the opposite? What
2: kind okay, of, what's the point? I and mean, what do I need you to like? Let it go, you know, in some place in my Kurva? It's like you know, my so you're going to give it to me, my property Monticello, when I live here in New York City. So okay. How's that helping me?
0: So just, because.
2: So or they just leave it there. You give you, do it right? better, right? Or not?
0: At all. Ah, So the Gemara is going to ask the question Is this only about a property which is mishta That is a property that is enclosed and protected? Or is it even a place which isn't enclosed and protected? That is, if there's still a risk of this lost object, even if I returned it to what is technically your property, if it's going to get lost again, what good did I do, obviously? So let's take a look. So Rav Yosef is going to respond What does it mean to the, the garden or to the churva, the ruin? maybe it means either if the garden is enclosed with a fence or if the churva the ruined building is enclosed with a fence so it's protected once you put it there it's not going anywhere. Okay. heine Beto. But then that's just the same as the house, Rabba can respond. That is, once it's Mishta once the property is protected, that's the same rule as Beto, even if it's not technically house, but it has the same qualities as the house. That is, you put it there, it's not going anywhere, it's well protected.
2: So you don't have to tell me.
0: You don't have to tell me so doesn't, so doesn't, It still
2: doesn't sound like it's so much sense. So I'm not to sell you. Put it in some sort of like a, I don't know, put it in my my parking lot, whatever. I don't know. Let's say there's a fence around it. There's no food, it's gonna die
0: and it's oh, so, okay talking about an animal there.
2: I live in another city. So how is that
0: going to help So obviously each individual case is going to have to be assessed on its own merit. But at least right now we're obviously talking about a situation where it's reasonable to assume that the person is going to be able to reclaim the object in a, and not die, not, not die on its own, obviously. So let's take a look. Well, let's see. We are talking about the differences between Shom and Shom Rezachar. So that's a good observation. Okay. So I know the tweet like, you know, you dami. And therefore, Rabbah concludes, no, we must, the Torah's additional uh, drasha must be coming to include even an unprotected garden, an unprotected churva. that is, once it's on my property, the shomer is done. Because it's a very low-level obligation. If you're a Shomer aveda, you have to return it to the person. You put it on this property, even if it's not protected, even if the animal could w- wander away, okay, it's like Shomer chinam, You yeah. have a low-level responsibility. He's
1: reading the word Beito conceptually. Right. Beito means Beto it's Beto enclosed. Means enclosed area. Correct. And not literally. So right. It's already abstracted right. the, the, the teachings and customs.
0: So, Rav Yosef has to respond. Rav Yosef says, No. The Torah is coming to include specifically properties which are enclosed and protected and the fact that you, Rabbah, you think that's equivalent to Beito, ha-kamashmalam, dilubayinan Das b'alim. No. The difference between the properties which are uh, not a house and the property which is a house comes to teach a different distinction. Not that one needs to be enclosed and one can even be unenclosed. No. Rav Yosef thinks they all have to be enclosed properties. But, it means, like Michael is saying, you don't need Das b'alim. You don't need the knowledge or the awareness uh, that the owner knows that has been returned to him. The mitzvah of Hashavah is returning this property to someone who lost it. In other even words, if he doesn't know about it. In other words,
1: Monticello.
0: It. Even in Monticello. Exactly. Okay. Kidirabi Rabbi Elazar. It's like Rabbi Alazar is positioned called Das by Saveda. Everything now obviously the context is a little bit different, but at least for now the point is Rabi Elazar thinks that we're talking about specifically that Hashava Saveda, returning lost object, does not require Das Bail. It doesn't need the knowledge of the owner. That is, once it has been returned to the owner, even if the owner is not aware of it at that point, then you're done. The mitzvah has been accomplished. And that obviously is indicative of a much lower level of responsibility. Now, interestingly, th- See, that's was... even according to Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, who thinks you have a high level of responsibility in terms of the Shmira, you're like a Shomer Sachar, it has to go into an enclosed property, but you're just obligated to get it into his property. You don't have to do it in such a way that he actually knows about it. Okay. So, but, you know, yeah, it's
2: interesting. Like, it's clearly a choice that we're choosing to... Uh you know, darken it this way. Ah, so let's see the reason. You could have said the other way around. Like, you know, what, what was it? Like, can't a king isn't that? Like, you know, it falls down many times. Yeah, and I again, know. And again and again. So like if it says you said, okay. you, know, you put it, you see it runs right back out, and you say, oh, oh, I'm done. No. Well, at you, that
0: point, you would be obligated, no, like, but it would be a new obligation, right? Because the animal is lost again, right? Right. So like, so, you know, so that's how you could it. So the thing you couldn't do it any way you so want. So you have,
2: so have to do it many times. Okay.
0: Okay. So let's so 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 see. So Right, so according to Rav Yosef, it has to be a secured place. But according to, according to Rabba, it doesn't have to be a secured place. So let's see, so what is, what does Rabbi Elazar say is the reason why he thinks you don't require Das Bailim? The Torah came to include many different ways of returning the lost object. That is, if it required Das Bailim, fundamentally, what you're saying is, until the person is aware of it, that's really only one way of returning it. That is, I gave it to your possession, and now you became aware of it. The fact that the Torah used Hashav Teshivayim in the plural, sounds like, obviously, you know, the grammar is interesting, but uh, the argument that it's hasheib teshibeim, as if plural, that the Torah came to include many different ways of returning lost objects, or perhaps that the Torah uh, mentioned the mitzvah twice, comes to mean that you don't, that doesn't require that the owner know about it. What do you do with hasheib teshibeim? Hasheib uh, This is about We're going to get into all of this stuff in a few months. So it's coming up. Don't worry. Okay. So who's Shahari we Amar Rav Yosef. So now what do we have? So far we had Raba challenge Rav Yosef twice. Rav Yosef challenged Raba once. Um, no, the opposite. Rav Yosef challenged Raba twice. Then Raba challenged Rav Yosef once. Uh, I have to keep the scorecard. And then they each had a response. So Amar Le'ayabayel Rav Yosef. Now Abaye responds to Rav Yosef. Okay. Uh, what did Abaye say? He questions him. Yeah. So. So I'd look this for the shomer shomer Dami, do you really think that a shomer aveda a person watching a lost object is like a shomer chinam that is Rav Yosef. Do you really think this is shomer sakhar and not shomer, Ave, uh, shomer So now Abay, interestingly enough is bringing a source not from a Tanaitic source, but actually from an Amor from to Israel. So this is going to be a challenge to Rabbi Yosef's opinion. gonna <laughs> So we have to pause here for a little bit and explain. So a Shomer has responsibilities, right? So if the owner of the object comes to the Shomer, in any Shomer case, like, I asked you to watch my thing, or I asked you, or I hired you to watch my thing. And I take you to court because the object, I think you were, you were criminally negligent, or I think the object got lost, or I think the object got stolen. So if you're a Shomer Chinam, you have certain outs, right? A Shomer Chinam is Pater for Aveda and geneva If it was stolen or if it got lost, you don't have to pay. So what happens? Shomer Chinam, I take you to court and say, oh... You were negligent. That's an accusation that you would be high for. You have to pay it back. And you say, no, 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 I, it, was, it got lost. Or, no, 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 it got stolen. So those are claims that you make in your defense. The Torah includes, in that case, that you have to take a shvuah. You have to take an oath to defend yourself. Like the other shvuaot in the Torah, it's shvuaat nishpah Beniftar. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 you take a shvuah to exempt yourself from payment at that point. So what happens? I say, you were poshea, you were negligent. You say, it was stolen. You take the oath, I swear that it was stolen. And then I find out that you were lying. It actually wasn't stolen. You actually were negligent. I bring witnesses that you were negligent. At that point, you violated your Shavuot Hashomrim. Okay? And what you did was try to steal my object through a very circuitous mechanism. That is, you tried to gain ownership of my object by Toain Tainat Ganav. You claimed that it was stolen. You're a Shomer who claimed that it was stolen. The Mishnah coming up in the beginning of the uh, next Perek, uh includes in the responsibility playing kefil that is a ganav pays kefil a thief pays has to pay back a fine of the value of the object including paying back the object that was stolen and even toying tainas ganav that is a shomer who violated the terms of shmira shomer for example who claimed that it was stolen as a way to try to get off the hook and then was proved to be lying a toying tainas ganav also pays kefil
1: you pay Kefel even if you've been able to return the object itself, or only if the object so is now
0: gone. That is going to be in the next parash. All that, all the rules of Gneva are coming up in the next paragraph. Save your, save your excitement for then. Okay. But at least for now, what we need to know is that Toin Tanas Ganav is a claim that is trying to get the Shomer off the hook. That is, the Shomer makes some kind of a claim to get off the hook. That is a way of trying to retain control of the object. That's kind of a way of stealing. But it's a way of stealing by taking a false oath in court. He's already stolen it. He's already stolen it, but he's trying to defend his having stolen it with a certain kind of a claim. The problem is that you only pay kephil for certain kinds of claims. If you're toin tainat avad, if you claim it was lost, you won't pay Kfil. Interestingly enough, it seems like the really only the reason is because you didn't use the word Ganav in your claim. Mm-hmm. That is, what makes you a Ganav is talking about Geneva, interestingly enough. It's going to come up in the next paragraph, so it's an interesting topic. So he's going to lie anyway. So, he might so to he's, he's going to lie. lie. You might as to think to Okay, so that has to get into the questions of, like, wh- how can people game the system and all sorts of things? Fine, not for now. But we're going to have to see here, this is going to become a distinction between a Shomer Khinam and a Shomer Sakhar, because Shomer Sakhar... Doesn't get the out of Geneva, right? Shomer Sacher is Ichayev for Geneva. But what case is a Shomer Sacher Patser for Ones? If it was totally out of his control, it was totally unpreventable, and at that point, even a Shomer Sacher has, uh, has an out. So is there a comparable case of Toin Tainas Ganov like Toin Tainas Ones? Like, I claim that something out of my control happened, that should get me off the hook, then I'm proved to be lying. Is that the same kind of a thing, but for a Shomer Sacher instead of Shomer Chinim? So let's see. Okay didn't Rabbi Yochanan say a Shomer who was watching a lost object was toying Tainas Ganav now if it was a case of Shomer Sachar it wouldn't help so obviously Rabbi Yochanan must hold like Raba that the case is talking about a shomerchina. So at Tony Ten gonna You have to pay back the lost object plus the value of the object. That is you pay back The Shomer Have If you're a Shomer Sachar, you don't have to pay back kefil because what case are you even talking about? It's not even clear. You're not there's there's no Geneva aspect in that point. Okay? So Karna Bai you would only have to pay back the object itself, the principal value. So Amarle Rabbi Yosef responds to Abai. What does Rabbi Yosef say? We have to be dealing with this case. No, it must be a case where even a Shomer Sachar would be puter. What is the claim? You claim not that it was ganav, it was stolen by a burglar. It was stolen by a robber, an armed robber. Okay, and if it was stolen by an armed robber, Gzela, then that should get you off the hook in terms of Shomer Sachar because Shomer Sachar would be puter in that case. So the claim that you're making is more like onus. Ah, but, here's the problem, Amarle, listim goslin, who an armed robber is a goslin, is a robber. A robber doesn't have any kefil associated with it. So how could Rabbi Yochanan end up claiming that it was kefil, chayvin to pay kefil? And of course, the lashon that Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan used was tanas ganav. Ganav already puts you in a ganav category, not in a goslin category. So how do we deal with this? So, Amarle, listim izin, keivan, Tamar ganavu. the reason why is that least the Mizuin, armed robbers because they're afraid of people and presumably they make some action to hide themselves from people so they're wearing masks or something like that they're not just armed robbers with a gun they're armed robbers with a gun and a mask at that point the fact that they're afraid of people transforms them into a ganav. so what's the di- differentiating quality here between a Ganov and a Gazlan not whether or not it's by force but just whether or not it's anonymous or whether or not it's in secret.
1: How brazen are they
0: how brazen are they? Which is interesting. That's the Svara given for the difference between Ganov and Gazlan in terms of paying Kaisha or in terms of paying Dalad Behe. That is, only by Geneva is there a higher penalty. Gazela actually you only pay back the object itself. You don't have any fines associated with it. Why? Because a Ghanav is afraid of people but is willing to do it anyway, uh, in front of God. A Gazlan is afraid of nobody. He's afraid of peop- he's not afraid of people and he's not afraid of God. So a Gazlan actually uh, the problem with the ganav is the ganav is more afraid of people than he is afraid of God, and that's the kind of situation that Torah is ca- causing you to be fined for. That's one of the explanations given. So, but anyway, or there are a lot of other explanations also, but we'll have to see. So, list so she'hen gemer cave zin the nabit in she <Hebrew> ganavu. So, R- Ravi has to also claim that really these armed robbers are considered to be ganavim, and it's like toin tainas ganav, but since they were armed, it becomes a higher level of of risk. For the shomer, so it's more like ones, and therefore it would work even for a shomer sacher, and therefore Rabbi Yosef is safe from Rabbi Yochel. Excuse me. Okay, so that has to be Rabbi Yosef's explanation. Let's so say it's safe. So he shunts back. Im la mar de meshalim tashlumi kefil tomar bishomer sacher shein meshalim tashlumi kefil. But what are you talking about? Bishomer chinam of course is going to get you into a situation where you have to pay KPL but Shomer Sacher we have a premise that says Shomer Sacher never pays KPL so it must be that there is no such case as a Geneva that would Pater Ashomer Sacher, that he could make such a claim in order to try to get off the hook that he would have to pay kefil when he was discovered to be lying. Okay, tomer Shomer Sacher sheinim shalim teshu lekefil. The isal kadeitah. Thus, the mezuyim ganavu. If you, Rav think that armed robbers are considered to be ganavim, nimtav Ashomer Sacher, shalim teshu lekefil. Beto- beto- miso- then you would have such a case where Shomer Sachar would end up paying Keifel why? because he tried to exempt himself by making a claim armed robbers came that's Toyin Tainath we know from the, the, the next parak Toyin Tainath pays Keifel so therefore you would have Shomer Sachar paying Keifel what's the answer? Malay can Kamar. Lo, imam arz vshemerhinam, shekhinem shalom kefil. is always going to pay kefil if he's toyin Tinas ganav. The kol in all of his claims, tomar vshemer Sacher, shekhinem shalom tashan le kefil, ela v'toyin Tainas listim The only time that Shemer Sakhar does is he makes a very specific kind of a claim. That's actually very different. That's saying Shemerhinam, much more generally, is defined by his quality of toin Tinas ganav pays kefil. Mm-hmm. But since the Sacher is pater for normal geneva, uh, sorry, is chayav for normal geneva, he cannot make the normal claim toin tain as ganav. He can only make a very limited claim toin tain and listing mizuyan in this opinion that listing mizuyan is considered to be ganav. And therefore, it's a much more limited scope. It's much less defined by being able to pay kafel. So shomer sachar, even though there's one very narrow case where you would pay kafel, is not defined by paying kafel. But shomer chinam is defined by paying kafel. And that's Rav Yosef's answer to this question from this brayse. That it sounds like shomer sachar never pays it Says no. Generally, Shomer Sahar doesn't pay Keifel. There's one exception, but that's a very limited case. This <inaudible> is wearing a mask. Exactly. It has to be wearing, or not necessarily wearing a mask, but in some way, were, as right. As At least, according to Rav Yosef, he thinks or that he doing is... Or what, in like a non-traveled alleyway? I don't know exactly so the parameters. He has to be in a case where he's demonstrated his fear of he people. Is right. Right. Even though he's armed. So, arm So, okay. Um... A new challenge. A new challenge. So this is now going to be another challenge for Rabbi Yosef. Nishbar If it was broken or it died. Nishbar presumably means that the animal was injured. It broke a bone, something like that. Or it died. I only include in that case if the animal was injured or died. So this is talking about a shoel. A person who borrows something. If I borrow your ox to plow my field and then the ox breaks its leg. Well... What what am I liable for? So, if I'm a shoel, if I borrowed it, then I would still be liable in that case uh, for for if it was injured or died. Okay? Um, But, so I don't, the Torah didn't mention Geneva the Veda, Minaim Kamar Kavachomer. It's learned from a Kavachomer, Ma Shomer Sachar Shepatar Shibur Vemeta Shomer Sachar, if the animal was injured or died. The Shomer Sachar is Patur, but a higher level of Shmira, that is, the shoel. Uh sorry, I lost my place. Ummah Shemir Sahar Champata both b uh Chayav Big Nibeda, and a Shemer Sahar is Chayav if who was stolen or lost. Shoel Sha B Shburavitah but a Shoel person borrowing the animal if it was injured or died. Ainodin Shahai Big Nibedah. So obviously Shoel has a higher level liability than Shemir Sahar. And that makes sense. Shoel, the owner, is doing me a favor. So obviously it's an even higher level of liability because I've assumed responsibility for this animal, not just a mutually beneficial agreement, I'm watching it for him and he's paying me, but actually it's all to my benefit. So anything that happens uh, you know, except for very extreme kinds of situations, but normal kinds of things, so I'll be high for it.
1: Yeah,
0: the difference is use, right? Use uh, Shomer right. is not supposed to use. Correct. That. Shomer Sakhar is not allowed that's to use the object, right. Yeah. That's part of it as well, but also just the animal dies or is injured, that's a higher level of liability. Even rega- not ignoring the question right. of use right now. Right.
1: But no, you pay me to store your bicycle in my garage, and then I use it and I right. break it. Right, obviously. So that's
0: easy. But an animal can get injured on its own is the point. If I'm a Shomer Sachar and the animal trips while it's eating lunch and breaks its leg, I'm pasur because I had no liability. But if I'm a shoel and while I was plowing with the animal and then I went to give it lunch and was eating its lunch and it fell and broke its leg I'll still be chai yeah, because under my watch it, it, it was, was exactly. injured okay. this is a kavachomer with no answer meaning no so no claim against it that is a very strong kavachomer why? because Shoel is much higher liability than Shomer Sachar so we'll have to see and if you think that armed robbers are like ganavim so amayin alav tshuva you could use that as a claim against it. Why? And a Shomer Sachar pays kefil, A Shoel never pays Kefel. And therefore, that would be a claim against the, the, the severity of of shoel over shomer sakhar, shomer sakhar would have one case where it's actually more severe than than shoel, so, right. and therefore this this Kavach Homer would get knocked around a bit more because there would be back and forth about it. It would yeshalav tshuva. There's a claim against it that is shomer sakhar actually has one place where it's more Hamur than shoel. So we have to see. So Amarlei, right. Rabbi Yosef has to defend himself in what way? No, paying the back the principal, being forced to pay back the principal without having taken an oath—that is, in a case of a shoel, is more. Is adifa? Is a stronger point, even then Mekifla bishwa, paying back kethel, paying back um, with a fine after you've taken an oath. That is the difference between Shoel and Shemersachar in Raviyose's case of Listimizuyan. Is that in one case, you were forced to take an oath, you took the oath, you lied, you were proven to have been lying, and then you pay Kephel. In another case, you have to pay back the Karen right away, immediately. So obviously, Shoel, being forced to pay back the Karen right away, and not first having a claim of, oh, I was totally putzer, then taking the oath then having witnesses come and then being proved to be lying so that's a much more uh, multi-step process that's less of a strong claim about the quality of Shomer Sachar so nonetheless even though I think says Rav Yosef even though Rav Yosef thinks that the claim Tainas, Liste, is enough to get Shomer Sachar off the hook at least until he's proven wrong and then he has to pay Kefel. nonetheless that's not an indication that Shomer Sachar is of a higher severity actually he would still agree that Shoel is of higher severity because Shoel you have to pay Karen right away no out no possibility for a redress so that actually makes sense to why Shoel would be more severe ok so, I went to rent a cow from my friend, and it was stolen. That is a socher, the fourth kind of shomer, socher, the renter, rented the animal, and then it was stolen. The amar, halo harein and the person shows up to court and says, You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay you back, and I'm not going to take an oath. Okay? That's what he says haganav, uh, and afterwards, after I had paid back, then the thief was found. la socher. Who does the ganav pay uh, kefel to? He pays it to the socher. That is the socher, the renter, in offering to pay immediately without having taken shbuat hasholim. At that point, basically, has bought the rights to the animal, and then if the thief is found afterwards, then. When the thief comes to, be, to pay back his kephel, he pays it to the socher. So the socher, obviously a renter, is almost like an owner in some sense, is a part owner. You've bought the animal to use it, temporarily. So then when it comes time that you paid back the damage, it makes sense that at that point you've actually bought the full rights to the animal.
1: It's very <laughs> here uh, theological, that is to say a person might prefer to pay than to stand before a kind of trial and take a vow. Like in other words, he's just I'd rather pay and just settle with you. I don't want to take a vow. I don't want to get involved. People
0: like it. to settle all the time rather than dragging out the court case, right? Ah,
1: so it's not it's, it's just that's for convenience. Really I'm not
0: sure it's theological, especially here since the claim he would make is not a false claim. He's gonna say Nignaf, it was stolen. I understand right? that's
1: why I'm asking the way I'm asking right. even though he's, he's an honest person, but right. but, you're, but you're thinking it's just more like the adjudication It sounds the
0: like the adjudication he's just trying to let Just get it done with. Or maybe we can be we can play the other side of it. Maybe he really does know where the thief is. He's keeping it a secret, and he wants to get the keso. So he knows the rule. So he's going to manipulate the system to buy the animal now,
1: quick, quick,
0: and then he'll get the keso later. Okay. Okay. So, Yehuda Amar This opinion must be like the opinion of Rebbe Yehuda, who holds that a Socher, a renter, is like Noses Chard, Noses Chard is Shomer. Socher is comparable. That is, they have the same liability. Socher, a renter, and a Shomer Sahar have the same liability. Amar The fact that he said, "And I'll pay you now, and I won't take the oath." Uh, um, <laughs> so he could have made, he could have taken the Shua that is he could have said he could have had a claim at this point to, to pater himself from payment. That is the fact he said I want to pay and not take the shvuah means I could make a claim right now that would exempt me but I would need to take a shvuah Like Rabbi was is saying Ah, proof that if you think that a Socher is like a Shomer Sakhar there must be a case where a Shomer Sakhar has a claim in court that he can make that would force him to take a shvuah that would get him off the hook. What's that? It must be Rav Yosef's Listim Mizuyan. That is, uh, armed robbers who are counted as a Ganav so it's a toin tainas Ganav that's of a higher risk it's more like Ones that would be uh, applicable to Shomer Sahar. Oh wait. What a case talking about. And then the Ganav was found afterwards. And proof! It's actually good proof for Rabbi Yosef. Because if you read it that way, it's proof that he pays Kefil, which means that List the Museum is actually considered to be a Ganav, and it all fits together perfectly. So this source actually does fit very nicely for Rabbi Yosef. So. Um So imre misavark to Rabbi Huda, but who said that this brisa must fit with Rabbi Yehuda's opinion? The Amar Socher Kesnos is Chardami. Dilma Rabbi Mayer Savrale, maybe he like Rabbi Mayer. The Amar Socher Kesher Dami, maybe a Socher, maybe a renter is more like Kesher Chinam and therefore would be liable, even if it were a stolen... Uh, um, the opposite, is, is putter if it was stolen. So if a, if a renter is puter when it's stolen, then you don't have to go through all these crazy uh, explanations. You can just say straightforwardly, it was stolen, so he says, I have two options. Either I can claim it was stolen, which it was, and I'll have to take a Shavua, but I'll be off the hook, or I'll pay, and then it's the answer I gave already, which is, it's easier to just pay. If he has the money, he says, okay, fine, whatever, maybe it's a theological point, maybe it's just for convenience. He'll say, I'll pay now, I don't have to worry about taking the oath. But
1: it's not
0: liable. He's not liable, exactly. So why would he say? Because he doesn't want to have to take the oath. He wants a quick settlement. But
1: it's not a false oath.
0: It's not, well, ah, so that's the point. It's not always a false oath. Maybe it's a correct oath. Maybe he's taking the oath. He'll say, I swear that it was stolen, and it was stolen, and he's but off the hook. What's the problem? Because he doesn't want to take the oath. It's faster. Right. It's easier. Most
2: people don't want to say it, they don't have to
0: say. Most people don't want to say it yeah, if they you don't mean, have to you say.
2: You're taking God's true. name, and that's a very big. You're taking
0: God's name, even if it's for a true thing, you should be hesitant about it. Okay. Yeah, that's alright. Yeah, it's a good. It's a very good question. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. I try to make a, I think, a point that's
1: totally different from this. this is the language mizuyan singular, right?
0: Unclear no, to me. Because like, the word listim is a singular. Listim, right? So listim is treated singular as singular, like balim. Balim is also treated as singular. Greek word. Ah, okay. Oh, so the
1: Greek word that's singular, but often yeah, it's with the
0: mem ending.
1: I, I I believe so. I believe it's so. Linda says it's listis.
0: Listus, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. But right, listus, and then it was a typo, right? That's right, that's right. 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 So it gets but called listing, right? The, the right. Adjective. In the singular, right? Because, it, because they
1: Correct. knew that it was a singular word. Right.
0: There are places where Listim is used as a plural, though. One hundred percent, right?
1: Because it then gets confused because it's the right. mean So no, familiar. for sure,
0: that's right. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, okay. So Ibaisema, alternatively, kid machli the socher keitzab mishaling. No, because uh, Rabbi Baravua taught the, this machokes the exact reverse. That is, Rabbi Meir thinks Shomer, uh, Socher is like Shomer Sachar, and Rabbi Yehuda is the one who thinks it's like Shomer Chinam. So, what's the answer to that? Rabbi Zeir Amar, Ha listim So the case must be I made the claim that it was an armed robber, that it's Shomer Sachar, makes the claim that it was an armed robber to try to get off the hook and the robber was found only later to have been unarmed that is and it would not be a good enough claim to protect the Shomer Sachar so in that case either way they would agree that is both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda would agree that the Socher uh, would be um, liable in that case because it. No matter what, even if you're a shomer Sahar, even if you're shomer chiyam, either way, it's going to get, uh, it's going to fit in. But it has to be a case that it covers both of those bases. Um, so we can go a little bit further if you like. Um, and just one other point. I wrote down this note, which is very interesting. Um, so first of all, uh, there's a Rashi here, uh, which comes up. Um, the Rashi says that he doesn't know. So there, are the gilioni hashasr Eger, in brachos. And Dafka Kafhe, if you're interested, has a list of all of the places where Rashi says, I don't know. Uh, which is like an interesting thing to take a look at. Um.
2: At the very top. So right.
0: Right right at the top. The first Rashi on the page. Maditahi. The I don't know where this is. Meaning he says, Oh, I know it's it's a Mishnah or it's a Braissa, but he doesn't know where it's from or, or what it's about. Um, Okay? So that's just an interesting thing. Uh, Rashi, How many times did Rashi say, I don't know? Uh, Of course, important muster to to know is to know when when to be able to say, I don't know the answer. Uh, Right, exactly. So you have to say, you have to be honest with yourself, and you have to be honest with people you're teaching as well. So Rashi, you know, one of our greatest teachers, Rashi is being honest with us, he's saying, look, I don't know, and that's okay too. Uh, He doesn't know, he he only doesn't know only a few times. So that's also important to know. (laughs) Okay? So that's the first point. and An interesting other point. Uh, one of the main questions about Toyn Tainath ganav, th- that claim, is like I was saying before: what happened? It was a shomrim case. The shomrichinam was watching my object, and then he claims it was stolen. Then he takes an oath. Then I prove that he was lying, and then he has to pay kafil, right? So is that because he transformed into a ganav? and it, because a ganav has to pay Kefal? or is that some kind of a special din in Shomrim that a Shomer pays Kefal in this one particular case? that's kind of like a different kind of ways of thinking Either about the that mm-hmm. there's not so much practical difference that's just a very conceptual difference of like what are we, why should a Toin Tainas-Ghanav have to pay Kefal? Uh, that's one other point point. Um, and just the other point about the Shoel um, so the Shoel is an interesting point because what happens I mean Achronim talk about this a lot which is that um, one of the exemptions for a well, a person borrows something, is "baavimo. What if the owner is there working with me? That is, I say, Michael, I want to borrow your ox to plow my field, and Michael says, you know what? I'll come along and help you. So now what's there? There's me, there's the ox, and there's Michael. And now what happens if the ox breaks its leg? Okay? Doesn't pay, Doesn't pay because balavimo. If the owner is still there, then then you're exempt. So it's very difficult to explain. Lots, I mean, you know, a lot has been written about this, but like, why should that be? Is that just Zerah HaKatub? Is that just an arbitrary exemption? Um, so actually a really interesting argument is that no, because if the owner is there, you're not a Shoel anymore. You're not borrowing it. You're just there. You're there. The owner is there with his object. There's been no transfer. If the owner is still there. You're not a shoel. You're actually just by yourself. And the, the animal is with the owner. Um, and, that, and the Rabag actually says that in Mishpatim in a very interesting formulation. I just heard this uh, uh, when I was preparing. Um, the Rabag says that one object basically can't have two, two kings over it, two owners over it. That is, at the moment of use or at the moment of damage, if the owner is there, then you can't make the shoel, uh, shoel obligated. Uh, so this is a really interesting point um, okay let's continue a little bit I uh, don't have too much time left so if the sheep fell into the garden and it got some kind of uh, benefit then it pays back whatever it benefited from okay now it sounds like from that that the benefit we're talking about is not that the animal ate the vegetables in the garden but that the animal was cushioned in its impact when it fell into what does it say? okay Amarav <laughs> if it, when it fell achla <laughs> Rav says, you only pay back whatever benefit the animal got from protecting its fall, from the cushioning of falling on the vegetables, but not having eaten the vegetables. If it ate, it doesn't pay back uh, what what it ate. So, maybe this is Rav for his explanation. Because it shouldn't have eaten the vegetables. That is, there's no liability because, if, what happened? The animal ate the vegetables and then got damaged later, so, that's, that's the animal's fault. It's not the, the uh, owner of the sheep's fault. Because the owner of the sheep said, he always oh, say, she shouldn't have eaten it. The uh, uh, opposite, the opposite, opposite. The owner of the vegetables, the vegetables damaged the sheep at that point, right? Yeah. So, if, if the if sheep ate too much, right? We saw this before. The animal broke in and ate, food, and then died from having overeaten. So you said it. The animal should have had enough sense not to eat too much. You can't claim from me that I killed your sheep by feeding it too much food. I, I, the animal should have known when to stop. Okay. So, okay. so therefore, if it falls in the
2: garden, pushing by the floor, and So
0: what was the case in the Mishnah? Let's just take a look carefully, because what the Mishnah said, right, is... It's the, it's the animal... Had, had fallen into the garden, right? So it pays back what it benefited. But that's only in a case where it fell in, right? If the animal walks in and eats from the garden, presumably... But the point is that the animal in either way got injured, right? The animal fell in the garden and got injured, but the fall was cushioned by the vegetables. In that point, the reduction in damage is actually a benefit to the owner of the sheep because it got damaged less. So he only pays back uh, however much benefit he got and if the animal came in and ate the vegetables then got injured then the sheep uh, should have not eaten the vegetables because that's Rob's opinion that the animal sh- should have said In that case that is in the other case we already saw where the animal breaks into the property and eats too much food so that's when you should have said He He so de zikah Because the animal got damaged, okay? Deimatsi amar mare de pire lo lovish is the owner of the fruits can say I'm not going to pay hayala shelo Khal because the animals should not have eaten those fruits, okay? La azukihi ahrina uh de Le lishalume because the point is that the oh, o- yeah this is the question right yeah right sorry i got a little bit hot huh? okay i'm not married mari if you Fire lome shama the owner of the fruits what okay so hayalo so so, <laughs> so, so, uh, uh,
2: uh,
0: so whoever said that, that in the case where the animal got damaged, that is, that damage to others. There's a difference between if the animal got damaged and the animal did damage to others. That's the whole point, right? Rav will say, the animal overate and died. Obviously, it's the, not the liability of the owner of the food. But in the case where the animal caused damage to something else, and you can say, oh, well, the animal shouldn't have done it. So obviously, it doesn't make sense. So, ella. No, we have to say the opposite. That if it ate, it does pay back whatever benefit it got. Aval, so, but and maybe we have a question about if it was cushioned on its fall. That is, the cushion on its fall is the opposite. If it fell into the garden, maybe the opposite. Maybe that's the case actually where the owner of the sheep is more liable. Mm-hmm. So, if you, the, um, well, let's, let's stop here. Because this is going to stop the next half, and we'll leave the Shrever So, he'll pick up from there. Okay? So,